Are you a sinner? Well, lucky for you, we have a new podcast on actual sin. <gasps> yes, yes, yes. However, you have to listen to the whole podcast, all the way from beginning to end, so that you may be able to grasp the details of the catechism. Now let us begin. Welcome back, everybody. It's Saul with another podcast. I know it's been four long months. However, I am back. And we're going to be talking about actual sin. What is actual sin? Actual sin is any willful thought, desire, word, or action, or omission forbidden by the law of God. What is omission? An omission is something that... You didn't do that you needed to do. For example, if you miss Mass on Sunday, that's a mortal sin. It wasn't an action, but you didn't do something that you were obligated to do as a Catholic. So that would be an example of an omission. So an actual sin, sin, there's two types of actual sin. There's mortal sin and there's venial sin. Now, mortal sin is... A grievous sin against the law of God that deprives the sinner of sanctifying grace, the supernatural life of the soul. Um, now, there's effects of this. So, since we lose sanctifying grace, one of the effects is that we become an enemy of God. That's one. Two, it takes away the merits of all our good action actions. Now, what's a merit? A merit is when God... Um, when we go to heaven, we're going to be rewarded for all the good things that we did in this life. That's a merit. Um, but when we commit a mortal sin, since we lose sanctifying grace, we lose all those merits, all those good rewards that we were going to have in heaven. And the third thing is that it deprives us of the right to everlasting happiness in heaven. And it makes us deserving of everlasting punishment and of hell. So if you commit a mortal sin, unrepented, and you die, then you go to hell. That's the basic teaching of the church on on mortal sin. Now, how do we know if it's a mortal sin? There are three different, uh, I guess we could say, requirements that need to be checked off before you know it's a mortal sin or not. First of all, the thought, desire, word, action, or omission must be very uh, serious, very grave. Now, all sin is serious, but there are certain sins that are greater in seriousness. For example, you steal two cents. That's not really a grave sin because someone isn't really dependent on two cents. However, if you steal a lot of money, like hundred, I mean thousands, thousands of dollars or something like that, then that would be considered a mortal sin since it's a much greater sum of money. Now, the second thing is that the sinner must be mindful of the action. That is, we're conscious that it's a very grave sin. The third thing is that the sinner must fully consent to it. That is, we're not um, forced to commit this sin. If you're, if you have a mental illness and like you're very sick, you're you're crazy, and you commit a you commit murder, it wouldn't exactly be uh, a, ve a mortal sin since you have no consent in it. You know, you're you're crazy, you, you have a mental illness, and you can't control your actions. So that would be an example. Now, that's mortal sin. So remember, the three requirements. It's very grave. 
the sinner is mindful of his actions. He knows it's a very grave sin. Third thing is that he fully consents to it. Now, if one of these three things is missing, it's not a mortal sin. Now, it's a venial sin. Now, a venial sin is a less serious offense. However, that's not to say that it is something low. It's Venial sin is the second greatest evil in the world. Mortal sin is the greatest evil in the world. Um, it does not deprive us of sanctifying grace. Um, and it can be pardoned uh, without the sacrament of confession. So with mortal sin, I forgot to mention that with mortal sin, you need to go to confession for, for you to know that it's pardoned. But with the venial sin, you could uh, say an act of contrition or a prayer to God asking for... Um, for, for forgiveness, um, and and that could pardon your sin. Now, <clears throat> so to know that, okay. Now, a venial sin, a sin can be venial in two ways. One that is not very grievous. It's not a very grievous sin. It's not grave, very grave. The second is that the evil done could actually be very serious, but the sinner sincerely believes that it is only slightly serious or slightly wrong and or does not give full consent. So it's like I said, if one of those three requirements of a mortal sin is missing, then it's no longer a mortal sin. Um, now it's a venial sin. Okay, now there are certain things that can make a venial sin into a mortal sin. If a person being uncertain of the gravity of sin Nevertheless, commits the sin, he is guilty of mortal sin because he shows himself willing to offend God seriously. One should not act in doubt, but should form his conscience. So if we commit a, a sin that is actual, actually a venial sin, but we think it's a mortal sin, it actually becomes a mortal sin because it becomes serious that we're, that we're um, willing to commit a serious sin. You see what I mean? Because I remember I said if the if um one of the three things is missing, then it's no longer a venial sin, no longer a mortal sin, it's a venial sin. Well, when a when you commit something that would be considered a venial sin norm under normal circumstances, if you commit that mortal that venial sin thinking it's a mortal sin, it becomes grave, it becomes serious since you're willing to offend God, and it becomes a mortal sin. Another example would be when uh, for example, you tell a white lie, right? Tell, just telling a, a white lie, like someone asks you, like, oh, did you wash your dishes or something? And you say yes, but you didn't actually do it. That would be considered just, you know, a small lie. It's not very serious. You know, nothing huge is going to happen just because you didn't wash, just because you lied. But let's say the same question for some reason <laughs> was asked in court when you're under oath. Since the circumstances are different, it actually makes it very serious if you lie. And it makes it a mortal sin instead of just a normal white lie, a normal venial sin. Since you're under oath, when you're under oath, you're obligated to say the truth and nothing but the truth, right? Now, another thing I'd like to point out, because a lot of people have this question is, would... Any amount of venial sins make a mortal sin? The answer is no. No amount of venial sins can make a mortal sin. However, if it's something like concerning money, where you're stealing, let's say, ten dollars 
from from if you're stealing like ten dollars a week or something well at first ten ten dollars is like not too much no one's gonna die just because you um you know nothing big is gonna happen just because you stole ten dollars but it's still a venial sin still very uh, still serious however it's not that serious but once the money accumulates you're stealing from the same place ten dollars ten dollars ten dollars ten dollars ten dollars well, that money becomes into a large sum of money. It accumulates and actually does become a, a mortal sin since the amount of money you stole becomes into, you know, thousands of dollars. That's when, that's the only way that, um, that different times that you sin can make a mortal sin. But that's only because the, the sum of money grows, not because of any amount of venial sins you, you committed. Um, <clears throat> okay, now another question that people have is like, let's say you didn't know something was a sin, but you committed it any, but you committed it anyways, like would it be considered a sin? Now there's two different categories you could put ignorance in. So now it would be where you're innocent, where you did not know that it was a sin and there was no way you could have known and you did, and you're very certain that it wasn't a sin. So that's why you committed the sin. So that's when you'd be innocent. There would be no sin committed. However, there's the ignorance where you're actually guilty of, it's your fault for being ignorant. Now, the first one would be where you just didn't want to know if it was a sin or not. So you didn't try to study. You didn't try to research. You didn't try to form your conscience more. And then that, is actually a sin. Now, in the guilty, um, the guilty part can actually be split into two now. So it's the part where you didn't want to find out, you didn't want to study to see if it was a sin. The second one is where you're so accustomed to sinning, your conscience has been so broken through your own actions that you, you wouldn't know something so obviously a sin is a sin. And it doesn't even... Hurt you. Your, your conscience is so numbed. Now that's actually even more uh, grave. It's it's even a greater sin than the one where you didn't want to study to see if it was a, uh, or want to ask questions to find out if this thing was a sin because you wanted to do it. Um, it's even greater because through your own actions you numbed your conscience where you couldn't even distinguish good from evil. You see what I mean? Um, so yeah, ignorance can be put into those two: innocence and guilty. Um, now, now that we know what venial sin is, mortal sin is, the effects of mortal sin, the effects of venial sin. Actually, I should mention that also the reason why venial sin is very, is very grave is because it can lead you to mortal sins, right? The more times you commit uh, uh, I mean, the more times your venial, you commit venial sins, your will, your will is weakened. Little by little, it's weakened more and more and more. There's actually an example of where one time I was, uh, it, it was the day of Thanksgiving, I think, and no one had arrived yet. Um, none of our family members had arrived yet, but the pumpkin pies were finished cooking. Um, so I would, when no one was looking, I was trying to see to see if I could get a little piece of pumpkin pie. So I would just like, get, get um, what's it called? Just grab little pieces of the pumpkin pie when no one was looking. 
And I, and at first I was trying to be more secretive, more secretive. Until later on, it was just so easy. I just kept on doing it and doing it until I actually um, ate the whole pie. Now, in the beginning, I did not think about even eating the whole pie. But since I, I'm not saying this is a sin, you know, a grave sin or anything like that. I was, you know, very little. But it's just an example of where those little times I came to get those, the pumpkin, the pumpkin pie could be like, for example, just imagine it was little, little venial sins. You know, me picking at the pumpkin pie. I kept on doing it, doing it until I ate the whole pie. So I kept on weakening my will. The, the first time I tried to go for it, it was like, I wasn't sure if I should because I knew that I wasn't supposed to be eating this. And I was, you know, being more cautious. And, you know, try, I was like, you know, you know, battling with my conscience a little bit. But as I kept on doing it, it was easier and easier and easier. And then at the end, I ate the whole thing. So that would be like the mortal sin of eating the whole pumpkin pie. I wasn't thinking about eating it at the beginning, but I just kept on weakening my will that it got me to that point. That's the same thing with venial sin. When you commit venial sins all the time, it weakens your will to the point where you're weakened enough to just commit a mortal sin. Now, there are different ways we can keep ourselves from committing sin. One of the ways is by praying. The second uh, thing we could do is by receiving the sacraments. And it's important to pray to keep a relationship with God because when we when we keep a relationship with God, our love for God grows and God gives us graces to, to help us combat sin. But also we we start when we grow in our relationship with God, we also begin to love God more and more. And when we love someone, we don't want to hurt them, right? We don't want to offend them. So we try to we do our, our best to keep them happy. So it's the same thing with God when we keep that relationship with, relationship with Him daily. We grow in that love with Him and God gives us the graces to not commit sin. Now by receiving the sacraments, we uh, gather that strength, that strength from it because there's the sacramental grace. And, well, I'll go into, the, into depth about this you know, on a separate podcast, but there's certain graces in the sacrament um, including in, in including sanctifying grace in, like in confession or baptism where our relationship with God is strengthened and uh, and God gives us the graces to carry out our daily duties in life and to stay away from sin. Um, also, one thing is that to remember that God is always with us. God is always watching us. Let's say we... Um, we were going to steal something of our, our fr- uh, uh, let's say, steal money from our friend or something like that, okay? We wouldn't just do it right in front of them, right? We would wait until they were, you know, gone or, you know, something like that. Obviously, we shouldn't steal. But I'm just trying to ca- carry across the point that, well, if God is there the whole time, always watching us, always there with us, why would we offend him right then and there? Because f- sin offends God. It's against his law. Um, another thing would be by recalling that our bodies are temples of the Holy Ghost. Um, so since our bodies are sacred, since they were created by God, given to us by God, um, we wouldn't want to, to, let's say, well, for example, you wouldn't want to be irreverent with something that is sacred. For example, like with communion. I mean, with with the the Eucharist, you wouldn't want to just be like 
throwing it like frisbees or whatever. You would want to give it the greatest reverence that is due to God. Now, with our bodies, we also have to have respect, self-respect with our own bodies. And um, because it's sacred, it's something given to us by God. Um, so that's one thing. So keep in mind that we're temples of the Holy Spirit. Another thing is, is to be occupy ourselves with work. Occupy ourselves with hobbies. Occupy ourselves with being spending time with our family. Occupy ourselves by working out. Um, these are, you know, they're these are great things because basically that the devil uses idleness as his greatest weapon against us because when we're idle, that's when he can do the greatest amount of damage to us. Because when we're not doing anything, then we can be tempted with bad thoughts. We could be tempted to do bad things. Since we're not doing anything, we're, we're not, our, our mind um, is not we're distracted with doing something. Uh, so yeah. And then also, by avoiding the near occasions of sin. So, a near occasion of sin is a person, place, or thing that uh, brings us to sin. For example, if you have a, a friend that every time you go to him, or, you know, a lot of times that you go to him, he always... Um, tries to get you to, to commit a certain sin, either stealing or looking at bad, you know, impure images or or by taking, you know, drugs or whatever, anything that would be sinful, then you have to stay away from that person because that you know that this person will is helping you to commit sin, um, making you go down a path that is not good. What are the chief sources of actual sin? Now, there's actually pride, covetousness, lust, anger, gluttony, envy, and sloth. These are commonly called the capital sins. Um, so, pride is the inordinate seeking of one's own excellence. It is opposed to the virtue of humility. Covetousness is the inordinate seeking of temporal goods. Covetousness is twofold. First, the inordinate seeking of temporal goods by acquiring or possessing them unjustly. This form of covetousness is opposed to the virtue of justice and is often a mortal sin. Second, the inordinate seeking of temporal goods by loving or desire them, desiring them too much. This form of covetousness is opposed to liberality and is ordinarily a venial sin. Lust is the inordinate seeking of the pleasures of the flesh. It is opposed to the virtue of chastity. Anger is the inordinate seeking of revenge or an unreasonable opposition to the virtue of temperance. Gluttony is the inordinate desire for food and drink. It is opposed to the virtue of temperance. Envy is sadness at another's good fortune because it is considered to be detracting from one's own excellence. It is opposed to the virtue of charity. Sloth is the, the distaste for spiritual things because their attainment requires much labor. It is opposed to the virtue of charity. Okay, now, <clears throat> as we can see, all every single sin that I'm, every single capital sin that I mentioned actually has a virtue which is opposed to, um, to that sin. Like I said, pride has humility, covetousness has justice. And it's a very important, it's very important to know these capital sins by memory and to study them because it's good to understand the enemy to understand what the enemy uses to to bring us to sin now the like i said uh the cap these capital sins 
are the chief sources of actual sin. So these are the things that bring us to sin. So it's good to, to study them, to know them. Capital sins are called capital sins. Or some people even say the deadly sin, the um, seven deadly sins. Um, not because they're actually the greatest sins, but because they're the chief reasons why men commit sin. You know, pride is the source of presumptuous, presumption, ambition, vainglory, and boasting. Covetousness is the source of hard-headed, hard-heartedness toward the poor and of theft, fraud, and deceit. Lust is the source of blindness of mind, thoughtlessness, over-hastiness, instability, love of oneself, hatred of God, worldliness, and despair. Anger is the source of contumely, blasphemy, quarrels, and murders. Gluttony is the source of dullness of mind, excessive talkativeness, and gross and vulgar speech. Envy is the source of hatred, calumny, detraction, joy in our neighbor's misfortunes, and distress uh, his prosperity. Sloth is a source of the neglect to perform good works that are of grave obligation. So those capital sins um, bring us to commit even more sins, even greater sins. And, and that's why it's very important to avoid the near occasion sin so that you don't even need to combat that sin in the first place, right? That's So that's the greatest way to overcome a sin is to avoid it. Avoid the near occasion of sin. Now the near occasion of sins are all persons, places, or things that may lead us to sin, like I said before. There is grave obligation to avoid the near occasions of mortal sin. If circumstances force uh, force into the near occasion of sin, we are obliged to make use of the necessary safeguards such as prayer and the frequent reception of the sacraments of penance and Holy Eucharist. So, so as Catholics, we're obligated to avoid that thing that we are, you know, they usually make us, or they usually bring us to sin. But there are some times where we can't avoid it. Like, we just have to go through it. And it's, and, and that's why we're obliged to make use of the necessary safeguards. So the safeguards are prayer and frequent reception of the sacraments of penance and Holy Eucharist. Like I said, the sacraments are very powerful and they have special graces that will help us to avoid sin. Now, there are some things that could help us. Also, to remember is, is one thing is to also examine ourselves to find our predominant passion. You know, that one sin that always uh, that always makes us fall, right? And to, to examine our, ourselves on that and to attack the sin and replace it with virtue. So we have to uproot the sin and plant the virtue. Um, so we, we, and it's also important every day, every night to to examine our conscience so to examine our conscience, when we look at our day, we look at all the all the sins that we committed and we ask God for forgiveness of those sins. So that way we're aware of the things that we do every day because sometimes we go to sleep, we wake up, we, we don't even know what we did the day before. We're not even, you know, too conscious, conscious of what we just did. Uh, so it's very important to do that so that we're conscious of where we are in our spiritual state. Um, so yeah, remember... Avoid your occasion of sin. That's a big one. Receive the sacraments. Pray daily. And do penance. Uh, penance is very good because when you com when you do penance, by your own free will, you're choosing to do something that's hard. And you're and also with, with, with abstinence, abstinence for me, or fasting, fasting is a penance, uh, <clears throat> when you choose to fast, that mean what does that mean is that you're 
not allowing yourself to eat for that uh, for this period of time. Since you're able to deny yourself of eating for that amount of time, obviously for a while you're going to feel physical discomfort, but you're embracing that. So also when you when you're met with sin, sin you're battling with sin, it helps you to be able to also deny yourself of committing sin. Since you already gained that spiritual, you already gained that discipline of saying no to yourself. That's why it's important. That's why it's also very good to go work out. A lot of times when you work out, especially well, throughout your whole life, when if you start when, to when you when you very barely begin to start, you know, doing exercise in your life, all your life you're gonna be met with laziness. But once you deny yourself, because a lot of times your body's gonna be like, you know, today I don't, hey, I don't feel like doing this. We should just quit. Well, if you say you say no to yourself and you do it. That's why I'm a big advocate of, you know, going to work out, especially for men, because men are attacked, especially with the sin of impurity and working out and growing that growing that self-confidence and and growing that discipline helps a lot. Like, for example, when you see a very like like a bodybuilder, the thing that's very I guess virtuous isn't actually the, you know, when he flexes his muscle or whatever. Is the thing that's that's virtuous isn't the size of the muscle, but all the hard work he did to get there. That's what's impressive. That's what's, um, that's what's virtuous. All that discipline that it took to get there. Um, and, and that discipline will help us to avoid sinning. Also. Short and frequent um, prayers calling upon Our Lady's help and of God's help will help us immensely in combating sin. Throughout the day, we're, you know, for working, we're studying, you know, every once in a while you, you pray to God, you say, God, help me. Help me to to avoid this sin or help me to continue my daily work. Help me to, to provide for my family. Help me to do this or that. And and by keeping that relationship with God, by keeping that communication with God daily throughout the whole day, it's good because God gives you the graces to to keep on going. That's about the end of this podcast. I hope you liked. I hope you like it. You found it useful. Put in the comments if you if you want to see the the Koji podcast come back this week. Show your support. Like this podcast. Share it. Um, and subscribe if you aren't already. Thank you for watching. I'm so happy to be back. Hopefully, I'll continue doing more podcasts. God bless. See you next time.